Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton. Before we get started, thank you for listening in. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please give me that five-star rating and review, please and thank you. If you're listening on any other platforms like Spotify or Google Podcasts, go ahead and subscribe so you can get every single show as soon as it comes out. On this week's episode, we have the sports director from KYOK, 1140 AM and FM 923 FM in Houston, AJ Jones, to talk about the Houston Texans. And coming on after him, we have Antoine Staley, who covers the Carolina Panthers for the Riot Report, among other things, to give us a little outside perspective on the AFC South. AJ will be up first, of course. But like always, we got to get these early hits in. First one up, got to talk about the tough side of the business when players get cut. But of course, for Latavius Murray in New Orleans, it was a little different issue. The team approached him to take a pay cut going into this season. Mr. Murray refused. Mr. Murray is now an unemployed running back in the NFL. Of course, the Saints did cut him on cut day. Plenty will say uh, he should have taken, you know, taken the cut to stay on the roster. But, you know, it's crazy how these things happen, you know, when it comes to taking a pay cut. And on the flip side of it, if a player outperforms a contract, the owners are very, very slow to come to the table. Interesting how that works, right? All right, well. Well, up to our, 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 our second, uh, of course, early hit. And, of course, NFL football is back tonight when the Dallas Cowboys head to Tampa to take on the Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, we're getting the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday night football to open the season. Unfortunately for the Cowboys, Right guard Zach Martin won't be playing in this one as he has contracted the COVID COVID-19 virus. Tommy has to sit out. will not get him back in time. Of course, this creates a tough task for the Cowboys because he is their best lineman and Ezekiel Elliott running back for the Cowboys. He actually said he's their best offensive player this week. Short time span, but not short enough for him to get back out there as he is uh, vaccinated. Uh, I just hope that he gets through this healthy and is able to return when so. A game is important, but your life is more important. Speaking of lives and, and, and things of that nature, I know it isn't sports, but there are plenty of people that watch The Wire, and some of them listen to this show. Well, this week, uh, Michael K. Williams was found dead in his apartment in Brooklyn at the age of 54. 
Many know him as Omar from The Wire, although he has played many other characters. And, you know, of course, it's suspected uh, a drug overdose, but of course, you know, there there hasn't been an official uh, autopsy result put out there. But, you know, just wanted to, uh, I guess, show respect to uh, Michael K. Williams and just the great actor he was. And you can tell by some of the tributes by different celebrities and different people and even people that I know talking about how just how real he was, what kind of person he was. Uh, you know, definitely he will be missed. Rest in paradise, Michael K. Williams. All right, that's our early hits for the week. Up next, we head to Houston to talk to A.J. Jones. You're listening to Touring the AFC South with Mike Patton. This Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton, and we're going to go a little bit further south. I'm in Nashville, of course. We're going a little bit further south. Uh, you know, it's been an interesting time this offseason in Houston, and uh, it's about to get even wilder as the regular season is about to get started. <laughs> to talk about all things Houston Texans, I figured I would bring someone on that, you know, a little bit more tied to the city than what I am. So... <laughs> From uh, KYOK AM, AM, 1140 AM, and FM 92.3 in Houston, we're welcome everybody, sports director, Andre A.J. Jones. How you, How you doing, doing, Mike? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. You know, of course, I don't know a ton about Houston. I know what I hear and what I who I talk to, but it's, it's always good to talk to somebody that's actually there, so... Well, Mike, let me go ahead and set it off, man. The food is better in Houston than it is in Nashville, man. So I just want you to I want you to just rest with that and know when you come to town, I'm going to introduce you some good, real good food. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, you know, I will say this, though. We do have hot chicken up here. So, yeah, you, you might have to get on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Nashville hot is legit. You, you're right. You're right. Well, it, it, the original version is better when you're actually here because, you know, all the – all the, the ones that try it, they really can't do it like we do here. I hear you, man. I hear you. I just, <laughs> I just had to I just had to start off with a little parting shot because you know, y'all, y'all, y'all have all the history from the Oilers. It's crazy that the Texans can't do Oilers throwback gear because all of that belongs to Nashville now. Yeah, no, it's quite interesting. I, I you know, I, I I can't even really speak on it, but I will say this. And probably, I give it about another 15 years, it probably will change because the Titans throwback jerseys will be the original jerseys they had in 99. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. All right. So just want to uh, give everybody a little bit more context in, in terms of uh, you. Uh, how long have you been doing radio? And more specifically, how long have you been doing it in Houston? So I've been in radio probably since before most folks were alive. My first job in radio was right out of high school in 1982. I worked for WYLD in New Orleans. And, man, I was very green, didn't know anything about radio, just kind of got a tip 
that I wanted to go down to a radio station and be a gopher, and that's what I did. Uh, I got to Houston in 1989, worked for a radio station here called KCOH, and then I got over on um, the family of KYOK because they own like nine stations. Uh, I got there in 2002 and been doing sports since 2005. Man, I'm, wow, that's a lot of a lot of history there. Yeah, man, I've been doing it. It'll be 40 years for me at radio next year. Wow. I mean, congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Look, I, I started when I was real, real young. <laughs> Oh, man. Can you tell us about uh, some of the highest points in following the Texans there? Highest points? Uh, wow. I, I, I remember when the, uh, the, the team first got on 2002, they beat the Dallas Cowboys. That was nothing bigger, nothing bigger uh, than, than that. Um, uh, probably another big thing, though, was when they got their first playoff win. And we didn't think we were going to see that uh, coming anytime soon. Uh, there have been several highs. One of the things that I had with against the previous administration under Bill O'Brien, they really didn't have any signature wins other than winning the AFC South. So, you know, they didn't have any major wins that we could point back to and say that was a signature win. But those wins previously were, you know, were, were good wins under, uh, you know, the first head coach and then Gary Kubiak. Well, you know, I definitely had to start off with some kind of some positive things because, you know, we, we do have to go down what is currently looking at. We're looking at with the 2021 Houston Texans. Now, yep. uh, it, it currently in one of the best times in the organization, obviously. Uh, can you tell us what the feeling is around this team this season? Well, it, it feels like it went from being one of the better run organizations in the league to clearly one of the worst run organizations in the league. Uh, may rest in peace ever since Bob McNair left. There's been a noticeable change and, you know, just not naming names, but people in that locker room seem to point to when they brought in Jack Easterby. They feel like that's when everything went south and Cal McNair is just totally devoted to whatever Jack Easterby says, uh, up to and including getting a search firm to come in to help with the GM and head coach search and he literally went against the people that he brought in to help him with that search and, and listen to Jack Easterby and brought in Nick Casario. Wow. Can you explain to everybody who Jack Easterby is? Jack Easterby is unexplainable. We don't know who he is. I, I call him the Pope of the Texans. Um, he is a, an advisor uh, to the owner. I, I think he has a title, vice president of something. But more than anything, he has the ear of the owner and his wife, and that's the role that he plays. And he's just been really causing a lot of confusion on the top. When you have a guy like Andre Johnson, who does not say a word, say that what Jack Easterby has done since he's been in Houston has been the root of all the problems that they had since, that, that, that speaks volumes about who or what Jack Easterby is. Definitely does because you know we know we all know Andre Johnson doesn't talk very much. No, uh, you know of of course uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, play what, was he with the Titans when when Andre Johnson got in a fight uh, with with one of the defensive backs for the Texans uh, one of the defensive backs uh, out there. Yeah, Corlin Finnegan. Corlin Finnegan. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, other than that guy, Andre doesn't say a whole lot or do a whole lot. 
verbally or physically other than score touchdowns and catch major passes. Well, I will say this though that that game actually brought new turn new uh I guess I would say it brought new terms or new a new life to the term beats by Dre. Ah, look, speaking of, I'm trying to hold my beats in as we speak. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now, let's see. You know, of course, we do have to talk about the situation with Deshaun Watson. Right. Of course, his name keeps coming up in trade rumors. Uh, what do you think of how the situation is going on down there between him and the organization? The craziest thing to me was when Deshaun showed up for training camp. Uh, I now get it now. It was a very strategic move by him showing up. They have to pay him. And they can't say that he held out. They can't shine any more negative light on him than already what's out there uh, legally. Um, he's done everything that they've asked him to do, according to head coach David Culley. I've been out at training camp uh, several occasions. And, you know, the time that Deshaun walked out to the media and said, why y'all always filming me? It's the same old stuff. Basically, what he was saying is nothing's changed. I'm out here working. I'm out here doing what, you know, they've asked me to do. And nothing has changed. So there's no extra stories or extra attention that needs to be given to him. Um, it's a shame that it's gone this way. It's a shame that he is not QB1 right now. And they have not worked him in at QB1 in any of the training camps uh, or during any of the preseason games. Well, I definitely didn't think I didn't actually expect them to kind of, you know, put him in there. Because, you know, of course, he does say he doesn't want to play for him. So I kind of didn't expect it anyway. But, you know, hey, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, do you ever see him playing a game for the Houston Texans ever again? I I'll say this. I don't expect him to. Uh, I don't know when and where and how they're going to pull off a trade. But I don't expect him to suit up uh, as, a, as a quarterback for the Houston Texans. Right now he's listed as third on the depth chart. But uh, I will say this. If I was David Culley, I – I would definitely be asking questions. What's stopping us from starting this young man? Because clearly he gives them the best chance to win. And if they're in a win now mode, then, you know, that's what you do. But clearly they're, they're, they're not in that mode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, to me, I don't think, you know, I, I've, I've talked to plenty that have said about, you know, them trading him and things like that, but I don't think it, it, it's possible to trade him really right now with, with all the legal issues out there. Well, I'll say this, it's possible, it's not probable. One of the things that's really holding the deal up is the fact that Bill O'Brien and um, Jack Easterby uh, traded DeAndre Hopkins for nothing. They traded him for nothing, and I know for a fact that Cal McNair has said, we're never going to do that again. So what they want for Deshaun Watson, they're in no hurry to take less than that because he's only costing them a little over $10 million this year. That new big contract does not kick in until next season. So he's not costing them a lot and they're not going to give him up for less than what they want. So that deal is not going to happen unless they get what they want for him. Gotcha. Gotcha. But do you think other teams uh, are looking at that legal situation and like, I don't know if we want to give up anything for him because of that. Yeah, clearly they are, and that's the smart thing to do. But if you're a team that has a veteran quarterback who's only one or two years left in his either contract or career, and you got a chance to get a Deshaun Watson, redshirt him, and see where the chips may fall, that's not a bad business decision. Uh, you know, especially where there's a team where there's already a QB1 that's serviceable that you can get by with. 
Because again, there's a very realistic possibility that this situation could get settled out of court. There's a very realistic possibility that uh, the, the league doesn't do anything until after the season. So there are teams that, you know, might want to look at that and see if they can take that shot now. All right. All right. Definitely, definitely brought a lot more insight there than uh, and it definitely a lot of, brought a lot of insight there, I, I should say. Now, of course, we can't spend the whole time talking about Deshaun Watson. There are other players on the team besides him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, I will say this. Did the performance of the team in the preseason give me any hope that they'll be better or they'll be better than some think they will be? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've, I've been around for a little bit, so I'm, I'm a little bit more pragmatic when it comes to preseason. Uh, you had a team that went 4-0 in the preseason and lost 16 games. You had a team that went 3-1 in the preseason and went 1-15. Um, there were a lot of things that I think that they were working on, that they were looking to do. Whether they saw those things or not, I don't know. But the 53-man roster that they ended up cutting down to is interesting in – uh, a lot of factors. I, I think the running back position is going to be very interesting with Mark Ingram and uh, Philip Lindsay. Uh, I think Todd Rod, Tyrod Taylor at QB1 was definitely hands and shoulders above every other quarterback in camp, not named Deshaun Watson. Um, the defense minus J.J. Watt, we have no idea what that's going to be. It was statistically one of the worst defenses that uh, that the league had last year. So those are the kind of question marks that people are looking at outside of Deshaun Watson. Gotcha. Now, is David Johnson, what is the situation there with him? He's there. He's there. But uh, Philip Lindsay and Mark Ingram outperformed in training camp. I will say this. I was more impressed with David Johnson this year in training camp and preseason than I was when he came in last year. And I think part of that was because they didn't have training camp, that he didn't have a lot of time to get acclimated to the playbook or what have you. But David Johnson had some, you know, a burst and a quick first step that we hadn't seen in a long time. He's hitting holes like he hadn't done in a long time. Uh, but he's on the roster. He's listed as the backup to Philip Lindsay right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. Definitely very interesting. Um, now, of course, we talked about the team. Of course, we got to talk about David Culley. Yep. What do, you, what do you think of the task ahead for him this season? Let me say, let me say something. One thing that I have grown to uh, appreciate about Coach Kelly, he is one of the most energetic, positive coaches that I've been around. Uh, obviously, he was, you know, he's the antithesis to Bill O'Brien, uh, whose positivity seemed fake at times, and he could be as, as negative as they come, especially with the media. So does that translate to wins and losses on the field for David Culley? I don't know. I will say this, he's going to get out there. He's going to work hard at his job. He's not going to give us the fictitious answer. Oh, yeah, we lost because I didn't coach well. We got to coach him up, got to coach better. You know, the stuff that we got under Bill O'Brien. Um, I, I hate that this is his first opportunity as a head coach. I would have liked to have seen him in a better situation because he's really a great guy. What he does, wins and losses, nobody knows. Now, they brought in uh, Lovey Smith to be the defensive coordinator. And, you know, for those that aren't familiar with Lovey Smith, look at the Rams defense under him. Look at the Bears defense under him. They were they got after people and they made some things happen. And also they forced turnovers. Yep. Uh, what do you think uh, he can do with this defense this year? 
we've already seen them uh, the win the turnover battle more than 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 they did you know last season under O'Brien and under interim head coach Romeo Cronell. Uh, it's it's ironic that Lovey comes back to Houston as the defensive coordinator to help clean up the mess that Bill O'Brien put together because at the time that Bill O'Brien was hired, the number one contender was Lovey Smith. So here you have a guy who should have been brought in as a head coach coming back as a defensive coordinator to fix things. And I just think that speaks volumes about his character and about his desire, you know, to put together great defenses. We've seen a lot happen in preseason with his defense. Question is, will that be the same case in the regular season? Now, offensively, and, and I know they don't have a lot of pieces that a lot of people know. How ugly could it get this offseat this this with this offense? I mean, look at it this way: they won four games last year with Deshaun Watson healthy, throwing for over forty five hundred yards. Uh, you know, far more touchdowns and interceptions on the ratio. Uh, but then again, you just look down this this roster and you just wonder how much more can they get out of this roster with. Tyrod Taylor and not uh, and not Deshaun. One of the things that they held over was the offensive coordinator, um, you know, Tim Kelly. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Uh, he gets very conservative. He gets very predictable. Uh, I don't think defensive coordinators are going to lose sleep over uh, a Tim Kelly, Tyrod Taylor, uh, uh, you know, kind of offense as they would somebody else. They did bring in Pep Hamilton, though, to be the quarterback's coach and to help with the offense. So I think that's a positive. But uh, Tim Kelly just hadn't quite, you know, quite gotten over that hump just yet. Gotcha, gotcha. And final question I got for you, you know, and I know you probably, you know, may have an idea on this, might not. But do you know what the plan is at all down there with this team? Like I said, it's being run by three guys that I just don't think they get it. I'm not saying that they're not smart football people, uh, but, you know, I'll give you another example. Look at the Raiders under Al Davis. Look at the Raiders under Mark Davis. Look at the Texans under Bob McNair. Look at the Texans under Cal McNair. And then Cal brings in, you know, Jack Easterby, who, again, we still don't know what that's about. Nick Casario is in his first uh, general manager position, but it's that New England way. It's it's almost like, you know, they feel like New England has such a great game plan that they just want to adopt everything that New England does. Just because you can dance like Michael Jackson doesn't make you Michael Jackson. And that's why I, I, I don't know. I have no idea what they're doing, which direction they're going in. And I feel bad for the good folks that are on that team and in that front office that are trying to make this thing turn around. Gotcha. Well, hopefully for Texans fans, you get to see some exciting plays, some unexpected wins, and just experience some joy with this team. And uh, I just want to thank you again, uh, AJ, for coming on. And uh, if you would, tell everybody what you uh, where they can find you and what you're working on. I appreciate it, man. Um, they can definitely find me at Lunch Break KYLK, at Lunch Break KYLK. That's on for uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, working on, working on a whole lot. Uh, of course, I'll be covering the Texans this year, but we also are developing more of a, uh, HBCU focus with our station. And I'm really excited about that. So I've already covered the celebration ball, excuse me, the, 
MEAC SWAC Challenge. Already covered the Labor Day Classic. I'll be at the State Fair Classic in a couple of weeks. And then, of course, the uh, the uh, Bayou Classic. So really looking forward to that. But uh, also, again, let's see what these Texans can do uh, every game here at home. So that, that that's what I'm working on. Now, I will say this, you know, it's always been a debate. You know, the funniest thing is you have UT, which is University of Texas, versus UT, that's University of Tennessee. And then you also have Texas Southern University and Tennessee State University. So here's what my proposed thing I would think. Let's have TSU versus TSU in the classic game. Battle oh, of the issues. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. UT versus UT, which that's going to happen more than likely in the SEC in the Battle of the UTs. Yeah, what's interesting is right now Texas Southern is struggling, so I'll give you all the edge on the uh, TSU there. But, uh, yeah, man, Tennessee, <laughs> uh, I'll give uh, the Longhorns the edge on UT over UT. Definitely, definitely. Thank you again. Uh, this has been a tour in the AFC South with Mike Patton. This Woody. Welcome back to Touring the AFC South. I'm your host, Mike Patton. We just got through talking about the Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, and all the other things going on in Houston with uh, A.J. Jones. But, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, I talk to guests that are somewhat associated with the AFC South, and, you know, it's always good sometimes to get some views from the outside looking in. My next guest is definitely going to bring that in so. <laughs> he covers the Carolina Panthers for the Bryant Report, college football for Athlon Sports, and is a weekly contributor to the Las Vegas Chronicle. My guest, Mr. Antoine Staley. What's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, Mike? Doing great, doing great. Now, for those that are not familiar with you, can you give them the rundown of the team, sports, and places you have written? Uh, I mean, we'll be here a little while, but yeah, I, I, I'll just say this. Like I've, um, I've covered the Miami Dolphins and, uh, for a while. And then now the Panthers and college football, the Miami Hurricanes and Florida State and, uh, various other sports too, like MLB. I've done some hockey too, even as well. So yeah, I've definitely, uh, and baseball. Yeah. I said baseball too. So yeah, I've done a little bit of just about everything. Right, right. I mean, of course, you know, for those that are not aware, can you please give them the first handle that we ever introduced each other to on that you had? The the first, say that again, the first what? The first Twitter handle that you had oh, when oh, I oh, first oh, met oh, you oh, on social yeah. media. Yeah, yeah. That was definitely way back in the day. But yeah, I was, yeah, that was my Twitter handle, Black Red Sox fan. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I remember uh, looking at this, I'm like, Black Red Sox fan. What? <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, man, you know you baseball, definitely. Yeah, people remember that, so, yeah. It was memorable, definitely. 
Um, what I also want to, uh, of course, you know, you do cover the Panthers, of course. So, and the Panthers are starting year two PC or post cam for those that didn't catch that. What is your feeling? Or what is what is your feeling around the the, the Panthers camp this season? Uh, I mean, you know, last year with Teddy Bridgewater under center, uh, it was definitely, uh, you know, it's kind of been a little bit of rebuilding uh, really the last couple of years. Uh, Cam Cam Newton didn't play in 2019 pretty much. That was a wash, too. They finished 5-11 and 11. last year. They ended up bringing Matt Rule as the head coach and uh, brought in Teddy Bridgewater, who they thought might be a bit of an answer at quarterback position. Definitely didn't work out, too. Chris, I know Chris McCaffrey ended up missing 13 games as well. Uh, defense was definitely um, suspect to say the least. Uh, offensively, they were able to move the ball a little bit, but you know, the offensive line was still a big issue too, as well. And you know, finished with the exact same record. So now, you know, you bring in Sam Darnold and uh, the Panthers uh, brass, uh, Matt Rule, also uh, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, are hoping that you know, even at 24 years old, Sam Darnold can potentially be a franchise quarterback. Uh, I know a lot of people have given up on him with uh, with the Jets. Uh, as far as the things that happened there, but he's still a young guy and it wasn't necessarily the best situation for him in New York. And that's why uh, the Panthers decided that, you know what, let's try this and then see if it works. And if it doesn't, then we can always be in the sweet state. So drafting the quarterback next year too, as well. So yeah, they, they feel optimistic about Darnold. Uh, the offense, I think it's going to be able to score points. I think it's going to be up to one of the offensive line. Can they protect Darnold on a consistent basis? And also, really the defense too as well. Can they get stops when it's needed? And that hasn't been the case always the last few years. Gotcha, gotcha. So hoping for more optimism in Carolina. Um, you know, speaking of Cam Newton, of course he was recently released from the New England Patriots and is a free agent. Of course, I've seen some teams mention that they would love to bring him in. Of course, you know, you heard Dallas fans say that. You heard some people about the Washington football team. But there's a couple teams in AFC South that definitely had some things to say. The Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans. Of course, Houston, he would be running running for the starter there. And, of course, with the Titans, he would be a backup to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, What are your thoughts on those fans mentioning him as a quarterback option for those teams? It's going to be hard, though. I mean, I think with Houston – I think they're content with Tyrod Taylor and just going forward with that. I, I you know, Houston's, I think they're just going to, you know, it's, you know, I think they're going to put on the year, really, uh, if that makes sense, too. I just think that they understand the situation that they're in. Uh, obviously, Deshaun not having, you know, they're probably not going to play Deshaun Watson all year just simply because of, you know, things off the field and just go with Tyrod Taylor and, you know, they end up drafting the quarterback, too, as well. Uh, so I think that's kind of how they're going to roll unless something, catastrophic would have happened to Tyrod Taylor, then maybe it's something that they uh, go with. And, you know, with Tennessee, I think, you know, I mean, they could potentially bring in a uh, Cam Newton, but I, I think the big thing is he's not vaccinated. And I think when you're not vaccinated, even though I know it's kind of like a, you know, Urban Meyer got a lot of blowback from what he said, but the fact of the matter is, especially if you're going to be a backup quarterback, you, you need, you might need to be vaccinated so because, uh, you got other guys who are jockeying for that same spot. And I know Cam Newton is better than, you know, a lot of backup quarterbacks that are available. But, you know, if you, you're not vaccinated, that, that could potentially derail your maybe your team season or a few games or so. And I don't know if the Titans necessarily want to risk that. Or I don't think any team, may, for that matter, maybe want to risk that for a player that 
you know, let's face it, Cam Newton is not the same player that he used to be. So I, I definitely think that kind of factors in too as well. Um, just him not being the same player that he once was, but also, you know, the fact of the matter is, yeah, he's definitely not fascinated and that's the concern too. Gotcha. Now, of course, plenty are, are, are not expecting much from Houston within the division. Uh, you did talk about them punting on the season. I mean, what what is your view of them from the outside looking in as a writer and a watcher of the NFL? I just I think it's uh, kind of rebuilt mode for them, and it, it obviously it'd be interesting to see what happens with Sean Watson, uh, whether it be a trade this year or during the offseason. But yeah, I just think it's uh, yeah you got a new regime in there. Uh, yeah, definitely front office and also a new head, brand new head coach. And uh, yeah, I just think it's, you know, they're pretty much starting at the bare bones, really, uh, especially, you know, they kind of started out with the Bill O'Brien era and, you know, making a lot of bad trades. And I think a lot of people are still kind of shaking their head at some of the trades that they, they made during the course of that tenure. But yeah, I think it's a team that's really starting over and uh, hopefully, you know, maybe for them, they end up getting back sooner than what they, you know, expect but i think trading deshaun watson and getting some picks too especially when you're trying to rebuild i definitely think that'd be a start too but i think the general consensus is this is probably going to be one of the worst teams in football if not the worst team in football this upcoming year and they'll probably be in the market for a quarterback in the 2022 draft yeah it'll definitely be interesting to uh say the least in, in houston and to see what they do of course deshaun watson they have also a lot of guys on one-year contracts as well, which yeah. you know, nobody nobody talks about that portion of it, but that's an interesting uh, dynamic there. Um, moving on to Jacksonville. Of course, I talked to John Reed of the Florida Times Union. He covers the Jaguars down there. And, what, and he mentioned that there was a somewhat collegiate vibe with Urban Meyer you know, in practice. Basically, he's having one-on-ones and he's calling uh, – <laughs> He's, he's they're calling it out over the loudspeaker and stuff like that. You know, um, how long do you think that lasts for him? And how do you think do you think they tune him out or do you see him uh, turning it around before they tune him out? I, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I would imagine it would be like a college vibe because one, that's, you know, where he's from and had his most success. And number two, you have a, a little bit of a younger team, obviously. Trevor Lawrence coming in there. You had Travis Etienne who ended up getting hurt and missing the season. But you have a lot of young play, younger players, and I can see them just bringing a teaching element to it. And yeah, that's fine and good. I definitely think uh, at first uh, that's that's okay. But I think ultimately, I, I have to see. For me, like my my thing about Urban is like how much of the losing can he's going to be able to tolerate because. He's won at every single level. Uh, it's definitely different when you go from college to the NFL because you go to uh, one of you know, a program like Ohio State, where one of the best, you know, in college football, to Jacksonville, who struggled and the worst team in football last year. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how much losing he, he can tolerate because I don't think I think Jacksonville will be better, obviously, especially when having a talent like Trevor Lawrence. But there's going to be some growing pains with that team too, as well. So. I definitely, for me, I, I give it maybe three years it, that maybe he'll stay. I don't see it being a long-term solution, to be honest with you, just simply because I don't know how committed he is because he's, he, you know, he left Florida. Uh, that was a good situation for him. And I know after Tim Tebow left and they kind of, you know, went down a little bit, the program, uh, the team, football team, and then Ohio State with everything that was surrounding there off the field, he ended up retiring from there uh, amidst some allegations. And now, 
you know, you, you end up in Jacksonville and, you know, I definitely think it's going to be a little bit of a struggle for him, at least at first. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting. And, and most interesting thing will be his mannerisms on the sideline to me. Cause uh, you know, when he starts rubbing the side of his head and, you know, has that stoic look on the side of his face, you just wonder, is he going to blow up? Is he going to, you know, go into the locker room and, you know, go off on the team? Is he going to be frustrated? Is he going to, you know, or health issues going to come up as well? I don't wish any health issues on him, but, you know, his history has shown that, you know, over time and dealing with the stress, it isn't good for his body and how he's done. So that'll be one thing to definitely watch. Another thing to be able to watch down there is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, you know, plenty have dubbed him to be the next great quarterback coming into the NFL. Uh, do you see that coming from him? Uh, yeah, I think I think it's possible. I definitely think it's a possibility he could he could potentially be that quarterback, sorry, quarterback for them. Uh, just because I, I loved him in college, I thought he, you know, especially with the, all the expectations at Clemson, you know, winning a national championship as a freshman and you know, wasn't able to duplicate that as a sophomore or junior, but I think he has all the tools to be successful in the NFL. He really reminds me of a little bit of a mobile Matt Ryan, and I know some people may take it as a diss, but no, I don't think it's a diss at all. Matt Ryan's still playing in the league at a high level and uh, former MVP, went to a Super Bowl, and I kind of see Trevor Lawrence in a similar type mode. He might be a little bit of a better quarterback than Matt Ryan, but yeah, I definitely think that that's kind of the comparison that I have for him. It could end up having a similar type career too, especially if, you know, Jacksonville were to get some pieces around them and help them be successful. But yeah, I definitely think he's going to be one of the, you know, best quarterbacks of his generation. Uh, definitely when it's all said and done. Well, don't tell too many Atlanta Falcons fans that you, you think he could be a mobile Matt Ryan. They might not like it. But uh, <laughs> hey, Matt Ryan, like, people try to diss Matt Ryan, but I think he's had a really fine career. He's still going at playing at a high level. So I, you know, I don't necessarily get the, you know, the hate for Matt Ryan. Maybe because you know the Super Bowl situation with the twenty-eight-three, and you know, I think some people maybe can't let that go. But I, I definitely think he's had a really good career. Well, he's definitely had a good career. I just, uh, just me personally, I just kind of question him in clutch moments of the games. That's but, that's that's just that's just me. I'm not saying that, you know the other three quarters he's definitely been great, but when it comes down to crunch time, I just have I have questions about him. But you know, well that's either here nor there, and of course we're in the AFC South. So you know, we talked about the two southernmost teams in the AFC South. So let's uh, move it a little bit up north and talk about the Tennessee Titans. Uh, of course, they were one of the best offenses in the NFL last year. You know, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, you got Ryan Tannehill threading the needle, those type of things. Of course, Corey Davis having a career year. Um, of course, this offseason, they don't bring Corey Davis back. He signs with the New York Jets. They trade for Julio Jones, a trade that some people really didn't see at first. I'm pointing at myself right now, Antoine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now he's here. What do you envision from this offense this season? Or a lot of explosiveness, especially uh, you have A.J. Brown on one side and Julio on the other, and you got Ryan Tannehill and obviously Derek, Derek Henry um, back there in the backfield too. So it's a it's going to be a nightmare for defenses because uh, you really can't key on one area, especially, you know, you bring the, bring the defenses up to start the run. You know, obviously Tannehill has the arm strength and, you know, mobility also to extend plays and get the ball down the field. So, yeah, he can kill you that way. And then you got 
guys that can beat you on the outside, like A.J. Brown and also Julio Jones. I think there can be potentially one of the better offenses in the NFL, especially in the AFC this upcoming year. And I definitely expect big things from them. I think when you talk about the Titans, it's not offensively, especially how good their offensive line has been, too. I think it's the defensive end. I think we have all the questions. And can they be able to get stops? And obviously that was a big thing last year, especially if you watch the playoff game against Baltimore. Uh, that was definitely one of the big things that I kind of looked at. And obviously the Ravens end up coming back to win that game and end up before lo- and then end up playing the Bills in the next week before losing in the divisional round. But yeah, I think uh, just looking at the Titans, that's that's kind of what it come down to. If they can get stops or even be you know above average defense, this is a team that you know I definitely think can contend. You know with Buffalo, uh, I, I think Kansas City is still a notch better than the Bills and Tennessee. But I think it, you know you're looking at some of the top the top three teams in the AFC. I definitely think you go with Tennessee, Buffalo, and uh, Kansas City right now. Now, one thing you did mention is the defense. Of course, they added Bud Dupree uh, this offseason, Brian Jam, uh, brought back Jam Brown, brought in Jack Rabbit Jenkins. I mean, they, they've, they've had some personnel changes on that team. So do you think they've done enough on defensively? And if not, what are they missing that can make them Super Bowl contenders? I, I thought just uh, the lack of pass rush at times was kind of uh, alarming for them and uh, getting a guy like a Bud Dupree there, I definitely think will help a little bit too as well. It remains to be seen if uh, it's going to help them uh, this year, but I do like some of the changes that they've made. I think they're a much better defense on paper, at least anyway, uh, than they were a year ago. But we'll have to see how that all comes about. But I definitely like, thought they addressed the needs that they had uh, throughout the offseason. But, yeah, I, def- I definitely feel a lot more confident uh, that they'll be a bit better at least than what they were a year ago. We'll definitely see. I know Titans fans are hoping for a better defense and a better outcome this year. Uh, finally, of course, I do have to ask you about the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz is their guy. Of course, they didn't go get Nick Foles when he was injured. They didn't go really get anybody that even would amount to giving him competition when he was hurt. Uh, of course, you know, he had the foot injury already, which I just mentioned. And of course, you know, five to 12 weeks was the diagnosis, but it looks like he's going to be ready for week one. Do you think he can stay healthy an entire season? It remains to be seen. And that's the whole thing, really, since uh, he had this horrific injury in 2017. Where I thought he would have been the MVP of the league had he been able to stay healthy with the Eagles. And you know, it's been injury after injury, whether it be a nagging injury or whether it be something significant. It just he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And then when we was on the field, it just hadn't been consistent play from him. And that's really been the big thing for me with Carson Wentz, too, as well. He just hadn't looked like the same player since 2017. He's had some uh, spots where he's looked good at times, but he also had spots, especially looking at some of the games last year. I remember the, the game the Eagles played the Browns, and he just threw it past that I was just like wow I can't believe you know it definitely sure sure certainly wasn't the NFL throw by any means to, to put it nicely but yeah I definitely think um being back with Frank Wright would make him help him with maybe mechanical issues that he's had throughout the course of a few years I you know I need to see it him on paper at least get back to that same level I I don't know if he can but you know, I will say this about the Colts. They don't necessarily need him to be back to 2017 level. I mean, you saw with Phillip Rivers last year, uh, he wasn't the same player that he was throughout, uh, um, throughout his career. But 
it was good enough to get them to the playoffs. And it might be good enough to get uh, a Carson Wentz that, you know, can be average or a little bit above average, maybe good enough to get the Colts to the playoffs, especially considering how talented of a roster they are, especially defensively in that offensive line, although, you know, being, you know, without some of their best playmakers right now offensively, I definitely think it's going to hurt too as well. But, yeah, they'll eventually get those guys back. And, you know, I think the Colts will be kind of in that bunch too as far as uh, wild card along with, you know, you got New England. I think they'll be in the midst too. The Dolphins will be there in the midst too and the Chargers and maybe potentially the Broncos. So I definitely think Indianapolis could be one of those teams that could sneak up on teams and end up maybe claiming one of the wild card spots. A lot of people are buying into the Broncos. I, I find that pretty interesting, but, you know, that's another story for another day. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, I, I am too. I, I well, I just like their, I just like the skill position players that they have. But the quarterback position is definitely uh, one that's questionable for Denver. So, but yeah, I think that's kind of what people are looking at. Well, I would say this: uh, I'm not necessarily questioning the quarterback position, but I'm questioning can Chubb and Von Miller stay healthy in one year together? Yeah, that's so just, if they can, then yeah, look out that that could be you know disastrous for a lot of other teams. But yeah, that's a fair assessment. Um, now, as far as uh, the Colts, of course, you know, we talked about injuries and of course, none of the Colts fans want to see Jacob Easton or Sam Erlinger taking snaps this year. They also don't want to see T.Y. Hilton sitting on the sideline a long time. Now he's dealing with a, a bit of an injury that's going to keep him out in the first few weeks of the season's, season, I believe. Now, you know, with their receiving core, you got Michael Pittman Jr., you've got Paris Campbell, you've got Pascal there too. Do you think they have enough in their receiving core to compete and and, and, and compromise defenses in the NFL this year? Yeah, I, I think I think so. Uh, I think that's a little bit of a question though. But yeah, I think you know you get T.Y. Hilton back. Uh, I like I love I love what they have running back wise. Uh, especially I think that's going to help them, especially in the receiving game too as well. I, I think they have a, a bit of enough. Uh, you would definitely like a more of a playmaking wide receiver. I think that's kind of what's lacking, but I do like the skill position players that they have offensively. And yeah, I think it, I think it's enough to get them to about nine wins, potentially 10, maybe depending on what may happen, whether that, whether or not that's good enough to get them to the wild card spot, it remains to be seen. We saw the Dolphins finish 10 and six last year and missed the playoffs and the Colts ended up finishing 11 and five too, and ended up making it. So yeah, I think, you know, I think they definitely do have enough offensively to possibly get to the playoffs. But, yeah, I mean, that's a fair question considering some of the other talent around the league offensively. Yeah, definitely going to be interesting to watch. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> if you had to predict the order of how these four teams finish in the division right now, what would you have? And if you have records, I, I gladly would take those too. But, you know, just the order is fine. Okay, uh yeah, probably well, the order is definitely easy for me. I definitely have Tennessee number one. I have the Colts finishing second, uh, the Jaguars third, and then I have Houston, you know, definitely being in line for not only one of the, you know, number four, having the work, one of the worst records in the NFL. I won't say they have the worst, but, yeah, I think them and maybe the Eagles could potentially struggle this year, uh, the, and they might be picking number one in the 2022 draft. But, yeah, that's the – that's the order I would definitely go with as of right now. Gotcha. I, I definitely uh, can agree with that order. I will say this before Carson Wentz got hurt, I was thinking maybe it's going to be the Colts win the division this year. But when he got hurt, I, I, I can't trust that as much anymore. 
yeah, I can't. That, that's the whole thing for me. Like, I just, you know, even before that, it was kind of a big question for me. But now I'm like, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't trust it at all. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I want to thank you for, for coming on and uh, talking a little, a little AFC South with me. Uh, you know, of course, let everyone know where they can find you and also what are you working on? Oh, uh, you find me at Antoine Staley on Twitter. Uh, also, you know, find me at Athlon Sports and also the Ryan Report. Uh, this week is just basically getting ready for the regular season in the NFL. Uh, the Panthers uh, play the Jets on Sunday, so we'll be breaking down down that. And have our, we have a Twitter Spaces tomorrow. Uh, if people want to tune in there as well, at just breaking down the game. And, you know, I'll be speaking to one of the Jets writers too as well uh, and also another Panthers writer. Uh, we'll have on the show and just kind of answering questions and things of that nature. So yeah, you can check us out there. Also, Athlon Sports breaking down college football too as well. Got Oregon, Ohio State. That'll be a big matchup this weekend, and also Iowa, Iowa State too uh, there as well in the Hawkeye State. So that's kind of what's on the horizon for me right now. Now I will say this: one question I have: Can they in Iowa? Is the trophy name what is the trophy's name there? Do you know what the trophy's name name there? Uh the Hawkeye Cyclone Cyclone uh trophy, I believe it's called. Okay. I just wondered because I'm like, man, can they make it into like uh a picture of like uh, not a picture, but a statue of Jeremy Renner since it's you no know, Hawkeye? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that was my I was my thinking there. But hey, you know, of course that was the corny joke, my corny joke for the year, right there. But uh yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, thank you uh, for coming on, and thank everyone for tuning in to Torn the AFC South with your host, Mike Patton. That's witty. Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of Touring the ASC South with your host, Mike Patton. I want to thank my guests, AJ Jones and Antoine Staley. And again, if you're listening for the first time, I hope you enjoyed it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give me that five-star review and and ranking as well. If you're listening on Google or, or Google Podcasts or Spotify, Go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any more of these episodes. I thank you all again for listening. Again, thank my guests, AJ Jones and Antoine Staley. Until next time, I'm out.